Hi, everybody. Welcome to Podcast of Lady on Fire, where we explore the filmmaking themes and community involved in Celine Siama's portrait of Lady on Fire. We are your hosts. I'm Laurel Hachinova. And I'm Audrini. A couple of quick disclaimers before we dive in for any first-time listeners. Neither of us speak French, so as always, apologize in advance for our butchered pronunciation. We're also assuming you've watched the movie at this point because the podcast will probably have a bunch of spoilers, so just a heads up. And today we have a special guest with us. We've got Valerie Complex. She is a writer, soon-to-be author, and film critic. Thank you so much for joining us, Valerie. This is so great to have you. Yeah, thank you. What's up? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That there are dedicated people out there that have podcasts like this. <laughs> I've been thinking of all the combination ways that the name could be is like podcast of Lady on Fire, portrait of a podcast on fire. Oh, nice. Portrait yeah. of a lady on podcast, like <laughs> all the different ways I can come up with combos. I hope all these turn into spinoffs. I know, yeah. <laughs> Anyone wants to start other stuff, please feel free. Oh man, yeah. portrait of a podcast on fire is great too. Yeah. That'd be great. It. Oh, it could be a podcast about this podcast, which is about portrait of lady on fire. <laughs> Let's get real meta. So we've got a few intro questions that we like to ask people just to get some context about how you first discovered the movie and just sort of your first impressions. So how did you first hear about Portrait of a Lady on Fire? When the Cannes schedule came out, I knew I was going to Cannes. So I wanted to look up what films were LGBTQ Mm. and women focused. Uh, And I saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire on there. And then I saw like a short teaser and I was like, okay, well, this is another movie about white women, like whatever. (laughs) And then I went to Cannes and they had the premiere on the same, there was the premiere screening and then there was another screening at night. And then there was a screening the next day and I missed the premiere screening. So I went to the screening at night and I was like, okay, so this is going to be another one of those slow, boring things about (laughs) stranded white people. Like, I don't really care. (laughs) I get in there and every seat is packed. Every seat is filled except for Mm. one, which is dead smack in the front row, right in the middle. The middle seat in the first row. So I was like basically in the movie. So that's the seat that you sat in for this? Yep. Seat I sat in right at the front. It was 1030 at night. (laughs) I had been traveling around all day, getting lost. I was exhausted. And I was like, there's no way this is going to keep me wide awake. I (laughs) feel bad already. And from the moment it started, I was like, whoa, I think I was one of the last people to leave the theater because I was just stunned to silence after it was over, like, whoa. And I remember like as the movie was going, like I remember being like, okay, so if they don't kiss, if I don't see some fucking sex, I'm walking out of here. And then they start kissing and then it doesn't stop. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it had the perfect crescendo of events. And it was like, okay, so, you know, this relationship is like earned and everything. Mm -hmm. I walked out thinking it was just the perfect movie besides the diversity factor of like, it's perfect all around. Yeah. Yeah. That's how how I saw it and discovered it. Can I just note that they don't kiss until like an hour and 20 minutes in. Celine really makes us wait for that. (laughs) She makes us work. Yeah. But I think that that's what lesbian cinema is missing, right? The anticipation, the earning of the relationship. That's true. true. Because a lot of lesbians, they just jump right into it. And you're like, where did this come from? Yeah. Yeah. But that was earned. So you said that the theater for this one was packed, and that's one of the first things that you noticed. So walking into it, were you kind of like, huh, all these people are here for a lesbian film? Did that kind of strike you as being odd? I've never been to Cannes, so I don't know what it's usually like in those theaters. It's usually like that. Mm. It was a film that was competing for the Palme Noir. Uh, So those films are going to be packed, always. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was going to be a queer film. I just didn't know in what capacity. Mm -hmm. But before I saw the trailer... I didn't know if it was going to be about two women or what it was going to be about. But since it was in competition for the main prize, those films are always crowded. Mm, Okay, cool. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. So you sat there through all the credits? The house lights came (laughs) (laughs) That's how long I was in there. How did you feel after you left? I felt that my interest and my my love for cinema was revived. Mm. I was so sleepy when I walked in, but I was like so awake and attentive after it was over. And when I got home, because I didn't get home till one o'clock in the morning, I went to sleep and then I woke up and my roommate, I was sitting on the couch the next morning, just like, she was like, everything okay? I was like, yo, I saw this movie last night. (laughs) This movie, I was just breaking down her all the ways that I loved the movie. And she was like, wow, it's like Mm. that, huh? I was like, you need to see it. 
So she went to see it that day and she loved it too. But it was all I could talk about for the entire Cannes Film Festival. And then when was the next time? Like how long did you have to wait before you could see it again? Well, I ended up getting a link. Oh, nice. Great. From the studio. The link had like a really long expiration date. So between Cannes and the Toronto Film Festival, I ended up watching it quite a few times then. And then I got to Toronto and watched it again. By that time, I'd seen it maybe 12 times already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when I got to Toronto, that's when I met Celine, Adele, and Noemi. And I interviewed them there. And then you interviewed them again in New York was the the last one? Or Celine? I actually didn't interview them in New York. Okay, so I'll give you the timeline. I met them in Toronto and interviewed them. Then they came to the New York Film Festival. And we met up there. Mm-hmm. And I had dinner with them there and I had dinner with them in Toronto. And then Celine came back on Valentine's Day and that's when mm-hmm. I did the Q&A. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, the U.S.-wide releases, Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've met them three times. That's cool. Yeah. So I definitely want to get more into that in a bit, but I'm just going to ask you one of our discussion topic questions, which is now that you've watched it almost 100 times or around 100 times, do you find that you still discover new things about the film? Oh, all the time. Like, all the time. Torture of a Lady on Fire, along with Moonlight and some of my other favorites, they have that special factor where you can watch it and still discover stuff. And it still makes every time you view it fresh and new and different. You know, there's always something different to focus on. Mm-hmm. When you watch it, you can focus on the cinematography of one watch, then the script, and then the acting, and then mm-hmm. the lighting, and then the story. Like, you could, there's always something to focus on. And those points of focus always have smaller details that you can pick out. And it's always something. It just doesn't get boring. Mm -hmm. So we've rewatched it a couple of times just for fun, right? But then also for the podcast because we'll have special episodes on certain things like fire or other things like specific character traits. And I was worried initially that like, oh, man, if I keep watching it, it's going to lose the magic. But it never does. And it kind of just gets better. It's crazy. It has that repeat power. Most films don't have that. Even Mm -hmm. some of the best films don't have that, you know, let me watch it more than like five times sort of thing. Where do you think that comes from with this film? How does it do that? I think there's like a fascination. One with the female gaze Mm. and just how we get to see the full extent of what that looks like for more than five minutes. (laughs) I think it has to do with the actresses. Their chemistry is off the charts. And people like to watch them, not because they're just pretty, but because they're talented. And it's really something to behold. But also, like, there's a friendship and a sense of community beyond a queer relationship. There is just this sense of queerness, this sense of belonging to community. These three people who are pretty much outcasts, how they come together and found their own sense of community. The cinematography. I tried... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Real hard to get portrait and IMAX screening because I think it deserved it, but it didn't work out. Oh but, man, uh, that'd be amazing. Maybe for like uh. the fifth year anniversary or something. <laughs> yeah, I'll sponsor like an IMAX screening, like a one night only thing in New York, and see who shows up. I literally got the chills when you said IMAX. Like, yeah, can you imagine that scale? I, yeah, I tried to put it together, but. <laughs> Well, let us know if you start like an Indiegogo campaign for yeah, it or we will, something. We will rally behind that for sure. Yeah. What a great idea. I was trying to hype it up and people were like, yeah, we'll come to New York for it. And I'm like, you come all the way out to New York for IMAX screening? Okay. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, that's what makes it, among the many things, it makes it have that staying power. It's yeah. like just so many details and so many things to discover. Every little minute is always something new. Yeah, and like, you know, and Celine being the type to not answer every question people have and let them figure it out has been really good for the film as well. Yeah, but clearly she has in her mind a very clear vision, you know? She just chooses not to share some of that. Like, it's personal, and that's, yeah, that's great. I mean, she's an artist. Yeah. I feel like that really speaks to her artistry. She definitely is. I have asked a few times for the script because I just (laughs) want to read it. Yeah. (laughs) Once the criterion comes out, I think a lot more will be revealed. Mm. Also, mm-hmm. they mentioned that the translation is going to change. That's yeah, what I heard, that. too. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So, me too. So, that's just another watch. 
I'm just wondering, though, like if some of the key lines that everyone's kind of gathered around are going to change. Like, does she not say turn around anymore? Does she say flip back this way? <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know. If she's gonna... Return my look. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Everyone's going to have to get their tattoos redone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like the, the don't regret remember. If it's yeah. Like, it's like, you know, don't regret, like, just think about it or something. <laughs> don't regret, just think about it. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. I've also really wanted to get my hands on the screenplay, too. One, of course, because she won the award for it. But then also, it's not just the dialogue that appears in that screenplay. It's her directions, right? It's like the full... Right. Screenplay, like the cues and everything. Yeah, like her choreography is in there. And that would be amazing to get some insight into. I wonder if she'll ever, like, let that out. I've been trying. (laughs) Please do. She's like, no. So, I don't know, man. Maybe if you make her those cookies, I don't know, you know, (laughs) sweeten the deal a little bit. Literally sweeten the deal. Yes, literally sweeten the deal. So, one of the things that we like to do with guests is just a couple of like quick fun portrait questions and then we'll get into the real meat of this but start out with what would you say your favorite scene is i, I can't i know I can't no, with one, that question. no one can answer this one well i won't tell you a favorite because everything is my favorite but i can mm-hmm, tell you the yeah. first one that comes to mind okay is the scene where they kiss but the way that it's done and how it's all slow and then the way that they both take down the scars and they mm-hmm. kiss, like it's it's a very I don't know how to describe it in words but there's something desperate about the two of them mm. that I think is so sensual and intimate like they're so desperate to ex- have this experience with one another that their kiss is even really aggressive because they were so desperate about it. Yeah, yeah. I really liked that scene. I like all of it, but that's a scene that comes to mind. Okay, good, good. Yeah, we might need to change that question because everyone's like, I don't have a favorite scene. They're all my favorite scenes. It's kind of interesting how what people end up saying in Mm -hmm. response to it because I completely agree. Like, I couldn't pick one scene out, right? But something, like, always pops into my head that I want to talk about. But I think that's a good one. And I I can't think of another movie where you have two truly equal characters who are both deciding at the same time this is what we're gonna do i I really can't i feel like there's always someone who's a little bit more of the i don't want to say aggressor but yeah yeah exactly so i mean yeah you know selena's gonna tell you one thing but i know that marianne is the top in my mind (laughs) that is who it is and like i can't like we could do a whole podcast (laughs) on me explaining why marianne is top because i can explain why (laughs) Great. This is great. We're going to do a whole podcast on this. I don't know. I think I need to hear this now. I have the receipt. Yeah, it's interesting because Celine does say both are tops, right? She said they're versatile. They're versatile. Yeah, they're both versed. Sure. Okay. What she says, I'm throwing out the window. Mm -hmm. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what I think. Okay. I mean, from the get-go, right? Like, she's the one who's, like, teaching this class and she's like, you know, take your time, look at me, and the way that she jumps into the water. And I think like... people forget about how, like, Marianne is framed. One of the very first scenes where we see her at her most vulnerable, her most intimate, she's naked in front of the fire. She mm. is the woman on fire. She's the lady on fire. Yeah, like, If true. you watch it's that, true. and then if you watch the scene where she's playing, like, the yep. harpsichord, fire yeah. is right she's, behind the her. fire's behind her. Yep. She's the woman Ooh. on fire. Mm-hmm. You're like, sorry, Celine, but this is the, this is the <laughs> like, truth. Like, sorry, I know you yeah. directed and wrote it, but no. Yeah, but, you're not exactly <laughs> you're wrong. Right, yeah. but you're wrong. But you're wrong. Like, you're wrong. Oh, actually, someone asked us about this that scene recently, and they brought up a, a really interesting question that I hadn't thought about. So the scene right before that is a bonfire, right? And they do that match cut between... Marianne helping Eloise up from the ground at the bonfire and then down the cliffs to the kiss, right? The person asked, why didn't they kiss that night? They So they spent a whole night not consummating this in any way, and then they kiss the next day. Like, I agree with you. They were so desperate, you know? And it's like, and then they just held it in for eight to 12 hours? Like, They're like, we're going home now. <laughs> well, I think, you know, the film, like, rectifies a lot of it being as though they knew they wasted time mm, because mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. probably should have kissed during that scene where she was like, you know, who do you see when you look right, in the mirror? Right, right. I think yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. had mentioned initially somewhere in the, one of the first drafts they were supposed to kiss then. Right. Mm-hmm, but yeah. they had been, hold, I don't know why people would hold the bonfire back when they 
have had the tension way before. Oh, totally. yeah. And they should have kissed. Yeah. If we're going to say they yeah. should have kissed, they should have kissed way before the bonfire. <laughs> but I think the bonfire was a crescendo moment to mm-hmm. let us know that it's coming now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. now we see that they're both, they have this fire, this desire within them. Yeah. That now the time is right. That's a great point. And also, like, they're both really confused. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Heloise is a lot more confused than Marianne. But it's still like, you know, Heloise hasn't been with anyone. So that's some shit you gotta, that's shit you gotta process first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before, you know, going into it. And that's why during the scene when they kiss, like, Heloise walks off. Because after the kiss, it had become real. Now it's like, it's real and we have to, like... We're going to have to continue doing this somehow because it's something I like. And that's why the visions start after that, because now not only is it real, it's finite. Yeah. It's something that's going to end at some point. So yeah, I can go on and yeah. on. You're right. I can't imagine the bonfire scene coming after they kiss for the first time. It's a crescendo. You do have to wonder, though, like what happened during the bonfire scene. She like falls down and then Miriam comes and grabs her. Between that and the next day, what goes on? They just walk back and go to their respective rooms. and They have like breakfast. They're just like. Staring at Sophie, like, does she know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's lots of fanfic. Sophie knows. Come on. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And remind me at the end to recommend to you an excellent fanfic by a friend of mine who has created a sequel, sort of. Whoa. And I absolutely 100% accept it as canon because it's this that is so good. great. Oh, yes. I can't wait. Yeah. So remind me to remind you and the listeners of that so you guys can go read it. I'm telling you, okay. the fanfic made me cry. So really, oh, uh, it's that good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I need something else to make me cry. I'm going to read it, of course, but like, yeah. Okay, so for this next one, we actually kind of covered it a little bit earlier, but um, is there another film that you've watched as many times as Portrait? No. Not even Moonlight? No, Moonlight Mm. I saw between like the whole year it came out. That Inception, I think I had watched Moonlight maybe 25 times. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is still a lot, but not as much as Portrait. Would you say that that's your favorite queer film besides Portrait? It is my favorite film Mm -hmm. of all time. Mm -hmm. It is my favorite queer film Mm -hmm. of all time. Portrait is number two. Okay, got it. A lot of people think Portrait is my first. It's not. Yeah, I would have assumed, yeah. I need something that speaks to me specifically. And while I'm not a man, I identify with the Black experience of Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I identify with the lesbian experience of portrait. But portrait is number two. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. I might just jump to another question. So, two people have asked us this. One is an Asian queer person, and then the other person is a, a white queer person. And both of them have asked how we felt about how white portrait is. And Audrey and I haven't actually discussed this yet either. Like, for me, there's there's something about the queer female experience that connects with me very directly. Of course, I would have loved to have seen a brown person in one of the lead roles, at least, or if not both. And that I think that would have just sealed my life. You know, I would have been like, all right, I'm good. I'm done. I don't need to watch anything else ever again. In 18th century France. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, you know, people are changing it up. I just watched the first two episodes of The Great, mm-hmm. which is about Catherine the Great in Russia, but there are South Asians in it. And, you know, you can do that. You can do it, yeah. And, you know, there's nothing to question as to why the character of Sophie had to be... Mm, The character of Sophie could have been a woman of color because she's a maid. But there's no real justification for why the film is white, except for the fact that it's 18th century on the coast of France, where there may be no people of color at all, but... There is no real answer because there is really no justification for why it's as white as it is with the type of progress we've been experiencing. Mm -hmm. Because the film does ask us to suspend some disbelief in some aspects. Because, I mean, it's as realistic as it can possibly be. But some Mm -hmm. aspects are like we're asked to sort of live in this alternate reality with these people. So I don't really think there's a justification for why it's as white as it is. The cast is small. So I give him that. It's not like it's a huge cast where there are a bunch of roles to go around. It's pieces of a puzzle and everybody just sort of fits. So that's my answer Mm -hmm. to the Mm -hmm. question. Have you heard Celine say anything about it? I don't think anybody's asked. Well, I feel like, and both of you let me know if this is something that you've heard. Noemi's part was initially being considered like oh maybe she could be spanish you know or some other kind of who told you that i'm gonna have to google it but spanish how what does that even mean 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from Spain, from Mexico. Right. Like, well, they were thinking like that a Spanish speaker. She like, at least didn't have to be straight up white French, right? But then they found the casting director was it Christelle Barras? She knew Noemi from previous work, and she was a really good fit with Adele. And then that was it, you know. Because it's really hard to find actresses who are the same height, and yeah. the two of them are like the same height. Yeah. You know, Celine, when she talked about quality, she meant it. And even yeah. in height. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know they were as big as they were until I saw the red carpet at Cannes. And I was like, these two women are huge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on screen, they look small. But you see them and they're both six feet in heels. You're like, what yeah. the heck? And meeting them in person was Because <laughs> I'm only five feet tall. Nice. <laughs> yeah. They're both walking in yeah. at six feet. Yo, I, I'll tell you that story later. It's funny. It's funny. Okay, we've got one more of these questions, and then we'll jump into the deep stuff. At what point in the film did it hit you? This is going to be one of my favorite films. The Kiss mm. and the Page 28. Yeah, okay. Yeah. When, when I was in the theater and the Page 28 showed up, there was a yelp across the audience. Everybody was like... <gasps> Yay. People were gasping. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Me being as loud and ghetto as I am, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So good. And that's when I knew I was like, okay. I was like, I wish I could write stuff like that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's the main qualifier for my favorite film. I wish I could write stuff like that. Like I would probably not come up with something like but they did. And that's why it's like, okay, this is like and it's not only is it going to be a favorite, it's going to be at the top, mm. like the very top, like in the top five. I've taken everybody I know to see it. When it came out for limited release in December, I paid like $100 for like six movie tickets <laughs> for Valentine's Day. I took a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. I had a friend that worked at BAM at one of the theaters and we saw it then. Everybody that I showed it to loves it. I don't know anybody that's been like, wow, that sucks. No. <laughs> Good. Because I have good taste. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that moment, the, the page 28 thing shattered me. I was just a wreck from then, you know, all the way to the end, of course. I was definitely one of those people in the theater who I think I may have squealed a little bit and like definitely grabbed my girlfriend's leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could see people clutching the seat handles and mm-hmm. I had like my hair. I was like, oh, so yeah, that was that made me be like, all right, I like this shit. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah. You we could have a whole podcast about just the page twenty eight thing and the implications uh-huh. of like oh my god. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, see, this is how this podcast came to be. It's like, man, we could talk about this for days, you know. Did you say gaze for gaze? <laughs> we could talk about this. Days for, for gaze. Days for gaze. Yeah. <laughs> the Q and A I had with Celine, like I guess I'll get to that. I'll no, you. That. Let's get to that now. Like, yeah, yeah, t- yeah. Tell us. Yeah, we're we're in it now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Wait, no. Let's get into the discussion. I promise I'll bring <laughs> it back up, but I don't want to throw. Well, up. the first question is probably going to lead into that anyway, which is when did her work first pop up on your radar? Girlhood. Mm, okay. Because it was like it's a French movie with all black girls and blah blah. blah. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I started to work backwards, but I had only seen Girlhood and Tomboy. I didn't see Water Lilies until last year so i kind of got to it and worked backward so when girlhood came out that's when i first found out about celine but they were like she's a director she doesn't have that many films under her belt so i watched girlhood and then a couple of years later i watched tomboy and then i watched water lilies last year so water lilies before portrait though no water lilies came after portrait okay Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. I mean, same for us, too. It's interesting that you say how she doesn't have many films under her belt, which is totally true, but it kind of makes sense, right? If you watch her movies, just how masterful they are, you know? It probably takes a lot of brain power to come come up with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But also, like, she's not one to rush it, and that's why people like all her stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Because she's not in a rush to put anything out, because I think she's worked on Portrait for four years? Mm -hmm. Three or four years, but she worked on it for a while. Wow. Yeah. You can tell. Yeah, and she talked about in, in one of the interviews with you, like the privilege she has mm-hmm. being a French filmmaker because there's so much government support, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, for filmmakers over there. So she can kind of take her time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because there's always the government to like provide 
the resources. Yeah, they do a lot of funding, right? Yeah, they fund mainly art house mm-hmm. stuff, not like big budget stuff. Not the Luc Besson films. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. But that's when she came across my my radar. Okay, yeah. But at, you know, actually, I take that back. Okay, so it's tricky with my courgette or the life of zucchini. I didn't know that she wrote that. Right. But yeah. it was a film that I watched and I liked. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Like she's written a few things that I didn't know she wrote. She's done quite a few things, but as far as her films that she directed, mm-hmm. that's when I discovered Girlhood. I'm looking at IMDb. Yeah, it says she directed six, which was the short Pauline and Boulevard de Strasbourg, which is a, another short. And then she wrote 11. So My Life is Zucchini, Being 17, Young Tiger, Ivory Tower, uh, and some other shorts. Mm. So she's written a lot more than she's directed. She's even been an actress in one of them. Oh, well, she She does make that cameo. She has a cameo in Water Lilies. (laughs) That was so funny. I would love to get Celine to act. And I have the perfect project. And Mm. it has something to do with my book. But... We'll see what happens. Oh, man. If there's <laughs> anything that we can do to help you do that, that would be amazing. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so do you want to get into how and when you first met Celine? Okay. The TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival, was coming up. And I knew that they were going to be there. And so I started campaigning. I had to put on a whole campaign to like, because I wanted to interview them. I was going for Pride.com, which is a LGBTQ site. And I was going for them. And I was like, well, I think I should be able to interview the premiere film that's going to be there about lesbians. I had a whole bunch of entitlement that came with it, which is probably not the best way to, you know, think about it in hindsight. But I emailed the publicist and didn't get a response. So I started complaining on Twitter. Nice. Good. And Celine reached out to me on Instagram. (gasps) Wow, that's cool. I thought it was a fake account. I didn't know who it was. Am I being spammed? Like, I wasn't right, sure. Yeah. And then we started, like, having this conversation. And I was like, oh, shit. But I think at first I really, like, bombarded her with a lot of heavy shit that I probably <laughs> shouldn't have at the time. I was like, these publicists suck and this and that and diversity and all this stuff. And then I didn't hear from her for three days. I was like, okay, good. I ruined that. <laughs> <laughs> and then she got back to me with this long thing. Whoa. Wow. And she was like, I don't know how it works, how publicists and things work here. And I was like, look, you're the boss. You directed this. So if you want a certain type of people or a certain publication to interview you, you do that. Mm. And that's how that happened. Interview. That's how I landed the interview. And then when I got to TIFF, a good friend of mine who works at Rotten Tomatoes sent me an email and was like, hey, they're having this dinner party for portraits. You should email them and ask them if you can come. I was like, they're just having a dinner for the movie. She was like, no. She's like, that cast and Celine will be there. So I emailed the publicist and the publicist was like, sure, we'd love to have you. So I get there, I get all dressed. I walk into the room. I'm only the third person there. Oh my gosh. And I was like hiding in the corner because I was like, this is going to be an event where it's going to be nothing but white people. And I'm going to be so uncomfortable. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it started walking through the door and I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then my friend showed up and then a couple more people of color showed up. And I was like, oh, okay. thank, thank God. God. And then somebody came in the room and was like, yeah, they're going to be here in so-and-so minutes or whatever. And I was like, oh my God. And so time passed and I'm talking to my friend and all of a sudden here comes Adele through the door. And she's like jumping up to my friend. And she's like, hey, I remember you from what? whatever. And I was like, I was standing there like, oh, hey. And my friend was like, oh my God, this is Valerie. She's loved your movie since can. And my friend left me there. <laughs> <laughs> that my is a good left, friend. She left me there standing in front of Adele. And uh-huh. I was just looking up at her like, wow. <laughs> so I'm talking and then I see... Noemi walked through the door and I was like, okay, so I have a crush on her. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, I mean, they were huge. <laughs> they were so cute. <laughs> and then Celine, her little self, she walks in the door and everything. And so I'm talking with Adele. We're just like shooting the shit or whatever. And they're like, oh, dinner's going to get started. So I was like, it was really nice meeting you. And I go sit down. And then she pulls up a chair next to me. What? Oh, I'm dying. <laughs> and so she pulls up a chin next to me and like I started telling her about like diversity and inclusion and all this stuff and we started exchanging stories about traveling to the German black forest and all this stuff and then she was like are you 
the one that Celine has been talking to? I was like, what? You've been talking about me? I was like, uh, yeah. She was like, ah, voila. She said that. And then we just like kept talking oh or whatever. God. Oh my God. And then she took me over and introduced me to Celine. And Celine gave me this big hug. And she was like, thank you for reminding me that I'm the boss. Is that oh, music? Oh my God. Then I went to the premiere of the film. Was that the same night? The same night. I didn't get a chance to talk to Noemi at all, which sucks. I spent most of the night talking to Adele. Which does not suck. And then, like, the next day, they had another party. They were having a party for the Parasite and Portrait people. Like, mm-hmm. Neon was having a party. So I showed up. No, sorry. Let me rewind. I interviewed them that morning. And that's the interview you see on Pride.com. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about different things. That was when I got a chance to talk to Noemi. And I'll give you a look so you know the day that I talked to them. Adele has on these brown pants. And it's this black shirt and Noemi's wearing a black suit. Have you ever seen that picture where it looks like they're like three lawyers, like three lesbian lawyers around this table? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. That was the day that I interviewed them. Three lesbian lawyers. My favorite <laughs> sitcom, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that was the day that I interviewed okay, them. Okay, nice. And then they were there was a party that night for the two films from Neon. And so I go to the party and I see Celine and her and I talked for a little bit, and I was like, where's Adele? Adele is hiding in the corner somewhere. <laughs> so I had to find her and, like, pull her out the corner. And then we went outside, and I met some of Adele's friends. We were shooting the shit for, like, three hours. I hung out with her for, like, three in the morning. Wow. That night was pretty wild, like, smoking, drinking. I talked to Noemi a little bit, but I was terrified of her. Like, I couldn't even look her in the face because she's so <laughs> otherworldly. Yeah. She has like a soft spoken voice. Like she's so nice. And I wish I talked to her more. So that was it. Fast forward to October, a month later, and they're in New York. My friend again hits me up and is like, listen, they're having another party. Are you coming? I was like, fuck yeah, I'm coming. So (laughs) I came to this party. And so consequently, there's a seat right next to Adele. And I go sit down next to her. And we start talking again for like two hours. And then, like, she switched places because Desiree Akavan was there, too. Do you know Desiree Akavan? She directed The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Oh, okay. Oh, right. yeah. Uh-huh. She was there. So Adele went to go sit with Desiree, and Celine came and sat with me. And we talked for, like, another mm-hmm. 45 minutes. She was talking about the Oscar thing, not being submitted mm-hmm. to the Oscar and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Then, as they were leaving, I got an opportunity to talk to Noemi again. And she said something that was really interesting. She was like, I want to come back to New York. We don't have enough time here. I was like, I would think that you would be happy in Paris. This is like the city of love and everything. She was like, nah. She was like, people are super cold in France. People are a lot nicer in New York. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take her back. And, you know, and then we started talking about things to do in New York. So I recommended to them that they all go to the American Museum of Natural History. I told them that I used to get high and like walk around the, the building and everything. And so I told her that and she like started laughing and everything. And then she, they had to go. And I haven't seen the two of them in person since Adele and Noemi. But of course, I've spoken to Celine and seen mm-hmm. Celine again when I did the Q&A. I reached out to Neon and asked them about the Q&A. And they were like, yeah, sure. You could do it on Valentine's Day. Oh, cool. And I had prepared all of these questions because I had asked some people for some help and I got like one or two questions that I got from other people and the rest I, I had just made up on the fly. And that's because I had noticed a lot of the interviews they were doing in the States were mainly curated by men. Mm-hmm. And they sucked. It's true. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they kept asking the same asinine questions. Seriously. Sexy, female, gay. Yeah. It was like, all right, we got to come up with something different. Yeah. yeah. So I made sure to watch a couple of interviews and not ask any of that. That's great. That's great. I love that. Your interview was definitely like the best out of all of those I've seen. So (laughs) thank you. Yeah. And you could tell like from some of the other interviews that you watch or even with Adele and Noemi, it's like they're clearly tired. You know, it's not just been a long circuit, but they're doing this in English. And it's the same question that the last person just asked. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because Celine went through the whole almost the whole year. And, you know, she was done in February after it came out. Noemi's still talking about portrait. So she went the whole year mm. doing interviews. But then, you know, she also came out with Jumbo. So that was right. like, yeah. And then Adele gave up after Los Angeles, which I don't blame her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so she was just like, I'm, I'm good. Well, because the stuff they were doing in Los Angeles was just wild. You know how they have like, I don't, I forgot 
state what the name of them is, but they have these guys who show up at these screenings and get autographs and sell them on eBay. Oh, man. Yeah, they really? call themselves uh, collectors, but they're autograph hounds. Right, and they're yeah. really nasty and aggressive. And yep. they don't have that in France. So uh, I think Adele saw that and was like, nah, I'm good. I'm finished. It's terrible. They bring their kids sometimes, too. What? They bring their kids, oh. and they don't select decent pictures. No. They get the pictures where they're half naked. Yeah. It's on. disgusting. Pictures that they're ashamed of and have them sign it. And Adele was like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I quit right now. Yeah. It's super toxic. It's horrible. Yeah, it's bad. So I made sure to try to get some questions that we hadn't heard before or like to get some questions that I had asked Celine before so I could ask them in person. And that's why I asked about mm -hmm. their origins. And, you know, I wanted to know about Sophie because nobody had asked about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was like, that's an important part of the story. Yeah. 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 Like, don't you want to know, you know, where Sophie fits in all this? I heard one person who was like, she shouldn't have been in the movie. It's like, what did you, what movie did you watch? Like, she was integral. She was so good. And that's what makes the film so good is like, you have this character who you think will be a side character, but right. it's absolutely integral and important to their relationship, to their companionship. Absolutely. If it wasn't for Sophie, like, I call Sophie the real MVP. <laughs> <laughs> As it. you know, yeah. because she had to know that they were fucking. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And she didn't say anything. She was like, I just want y'all to come with me to this abortion mm -hmm. yeah. and just be there for me. I don't care what y'all do. Just yeah. be there for me, please. Yeah. And it's like, especially in that time period, I was like, that's some MVP mm -hmm. shit. I wanted to ask her about that. I also wanted to, you know, I asked her about the different connections between her films. And that's why I had the elements yeah. question. That was so great. I wanted to ask her different things. And somebody had mentioned, I don't know who it was, but they're like on this whole press tour, I've never seen Celine look more comfortable. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And I was like, that's probably because the tour is ending or whatever. No. But I realized that I have a sort of rapport with her that would make her, I guess, whatever. Did you actually do any prep work with her? Did Was that the first time she was hearing all those questions? That was the first time she was hearing all but one question. Okay. Because a couple of the questions were like from pride.com. Um, right. But in person this time. And then somebody else pointed out to me, they were like, you could tell these are new questions because she's having trouble answering them, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. And I looked back on it and it wasn't that she was having trouble answering them. She had to formulate new answers. New answers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can tell she's enjoying it. You know, it's like, oh, good catch. You know, like when you pointed out the names, you know, it's like Marianne and Marie and, mm. you know, Mikhail. Yeah. yeah. She just seems like totally delighted and like having an actual good time having a conversation with you. Yeah. And um, I didn't get home till like one o'clock that night because I stayed until everybody was finished. And then I walked um, part half the way home and then I got on the train and then I talked to some other people that were there. Yeah, that was the last time I saw her. I mean, I've spoken to her since then, but that was the last time I saw her. And I was looking forward to meeting all of them at Cannes because that was the plan. Yeah. <laughs> mm. She was like, let's go see some movies together. You come to France. I'll give you my phone number. We'll go watch some movies together and we'll hang out. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> let's go watch movies together with Celine yeah. at Cannes. I feel like I'm bragging and it makes me feel no, bad. No, no. <laughs> I mean, it's just facts, right? Like, that's not right. bragging. It's just right. facts. Yeah, but I don't. This is the first time I've ever given the entire story of the trajectory of all of that. So it feels weird. <laughs> but I keep it to myself for the most part because I yeah, feel like yeah. I'm like bragging or whatever. But I yeah. think this was the time. This is the audience. Like, we're the audience. <laughs> this is the time. I just want to let your listeners know I can't hook you up with Celine. Like, I'm not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no, no. I'm not sending anything to her. I'm not doing that. Please don't contact me to do that. People have already contacted me to do really? that with other celebrities. No, I'm no, not no. doing it. So yeah. just letting people know. Yeah. Yeah, we appreciate that. I mean, we'll we'll make it very explicit. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So that's how I interacted and met with them. I asked Celine to go on IG Live with me. Oh, man, that's cool. Yeah. But then I canceled it. I was like, you're probably tired. Yeah. You probably want to let, you know, let the movie go. And I heard that she was taking a break from social media. Mm -hmm. So I canceled it. I was like, forget about mm -hmm. it. Don't yeah, worry yeah, about yeah, it. So I've been trying to get Noemi on IG Live. I'm going to work on that. Then she seems to still be okay with talking about portraits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even Jumbo. Are you going to do anything on, on Jumbo with her? Yeah, because I talked to the director a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So we're working on that. Cool. cool. 
And I have an interview with, with a director that's really interesting about the film. Have you guys seen the film? Not yet. Not yet, no. I think once the release of Jumbo comes around, I can mm-hmm. try to finagle it then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. And big thanks to Celine. I have ingratiated myself in French movie culture mm-hmm. by accident. Yeah. Like, cause there was like a big thing that happened earlier this year with girlhood and I had got dragged by French black women for it. But hopefully I have atoned for that and made up for that. And uh, we'll see. Because I'm really fascinated by how behind this culture is mm. when it comes to like shit like Me Too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, that's true. Diversity yeah. in their director's pool. How there aren't many black or brown or Asian directors creating content and just how stereotypical everything is when it comes to people of color i'm just fascinated with how you know people here think that france is progressive but in a lot of ways we are more progressive than Mm -hmm. they are and that fucking blew my mind yeah yeah so yeah that's the trajectory of what happened between us that was a beautiful story thank you so much for sharing with us <laughs> uh, no problem Man. i felt like i was on a roller coaster my heart is still kind of beating i know i'm like what's gonna happen next <laughs> <laughs> thank you like you had me and adele pulled up a chair and i was like oh i'm shattered this is yeah i just love this idea of you like literally having to like crane your neck to like look at them well it wasn't like it was like me looking up slightly it was mostly adele bending down yeah. like trying to hear me <laughs> oh, okay okay she's so generous <laughs> yeah. she like was like oh so tiny like, <laughs> it's like so tiny. I also like that you mentioned, I think you said that Celine is tiny at some point, but is, I think she's like 5'6", right? Like she's actually probably above average. Oh, no, man. Average. I think no? Celine might be an inch or two taller than me. Yeah. No, really? I feel yes. like I yeah. read somewhere that she's 5'6", and I'm like, oh, she's no, pretty ma- tall no. too. Okay, okay, okay. She does look tiny next no. to the two of those women, so. Anybody's going to look, the average American right. is going to look That's tiny true. next to them. Yeah. But no, she's little. Little, little. Love it. Little. Adele's height has been confusing to me. I'm about five feet two. Five feet as well, not five foot two. But um, my girlfriend and I watched Water Lilies, and I think she's like 21. No, no she's, she's younger. 18. She's, 18. Oh, she's 18. Yeah, she's still Okay, well, still like that. not a lot of growth left, right? And then like no. the other girl is, she seems small, but not like super small. And it's like, wait, I thought Adele was like 5'10 or like 5'9. And then this other girl is like 14 or 15 and she's you know like right up there too but i believe both the girls were 17 and turned 18 during the production pauline Eckhart, oh, the, Eckhart, i can't say her who name. plays yeah. the, the main character yeah i think i looked it up on imdb and she's four years younger at least than adele what okay okay this is googleable we can do this yeah i thought she was like 15 yeah so she was born in 92 and then Adele was born in like eighty nine, right? Okay, so three okay, so years she's under. three years. So she's like fifteen, I think, in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but regardless, Adele definitely towers over pretty much everyone in that film. Yes, except the guys, I guess. Like, uh, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> like nobody. Cares. I don't think she's as tall then as she is now. Hmm. Mm-hmm. At the time, she may have been like five six or five so, seven, yeah, but she's okay. grown. I think Noemi is five nine. Yeah, uh-huh. and I think Adele is five ten. Oh, okay, yeah. Because sometimes when you see them together, one is taller than yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I think sometimes one of them is wearing insane heels, right? <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but like even in the movie, sometimes when they're standing next to each other, I assume that their shoes are similar-ish in the film. But sometimes Adele does seem a little bit taller. Yep, and Adele. Adele could have been modeling. Mm. She chose not to. Yeah, I can't picture her putting up with the shit that models put up with. Yeah. Like, even Noemi has said that it's a terrible industry. Yeah, that was a sad interview. Mm. I felt for her. And, like, to hear about how, like, working with Celine mm-hmm. and Adele, like, changed her whole perspective on the movie industry and just yeah. how she should be more confident and just things that should take place on set was really sad. Cause yeah. She was like, every time her and Adele did something sexual and the scene was over, Adele would ask her if she was okay, oh. you know, check in with her. And Noemi was like, that's not something anybody's done for me before. I was like, oh, oh, my, God. oh my God. I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. It's like, this is how it could be. This is how it should be. Right. You know, and you think about anyone hurting Noemi and you're like, who do I have to beat up? <laughs> or, well, not, but you know, like... <laughs> I know a lot of people stand Adele and Celine because they're like out, you know, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we don't know about Noemi, but I stand her because we watched her go through all of these new experiences. Yeah. She never been to Cannes before. Oh. Yeah. She never had a role like that before. 
learning, you know, how to be and conduct, you know, yourself with other women before and speaking out and, and being vocal about things. So we pretty much watched her do a complete 360. Progression. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if we look at portrait and how it plays out in reality, like there's this thing where it's like these three people, Celine, Adele, and Noemi, who have formed a friendship, like a bond to the point where nobody's the same, Yeah, you know, just like in the film. So do you think that they would work together again? Like, do you think they would do another movie together? Noemi and Adele or Celine and Adele? All of them. Yeah. Any of the above. Yeah. Any combination of the above. I mean, it's probably likely that Celine and Adele are going to work together again because they've had this like like, forever. Right. I hope I hope they have a long lasting working relationship. As a writer, I have things in my head and I'm like, man, these two work for this. And these two work for this. <laughs> like, I would love to see Adele and Noemi in like an action comedy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like a buddy. What a great idea. Yes. I would like to see how that would work out. That would be great. Yes. Adele is like, the last email I sent to her was about this manga that I had been reading. Because Adele's like big into anime and shit, which I huh. didn't realize until later. But The Rose of Versailles which is a story about this woman who is raised as a man and her name is Oscar. And she pretty much like now it's a queer, you see it as a queer story because she exists on the non-binary scale, mm-hmm. but then it becomes heteronormative nonsense. But <laughs> at first she's like captain of Marie Antoinette's Royal Guard. Oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, you know, that would be cool to see something like that. Yeah. I have a lot of ideas, but I'm going with whatever Celine writes because she's going to write some bomb ass <laughs> <Yeah>, shit. <yeah. laughs> and I thought about it and I'm like, damn, is this the magnum opus? How the fuck do you come back from that? I know. I know. I know. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Well, she's talked about taking a break, I think, from, from directing and focusing on writing. So I don't know. It's It might be a while before we see another film of hers. I don't blame her because, listen, if I was to make something like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I'd probably quit the business. Oh, totally. Right, yeah. I'm like retired now. Yeah. You know, yeah. After that. I'm like, it doesn't go any higher than that. No. It's like, you're welcome, everybody. I'm out. I'm just going to write. I think she has to flip genres. Yeah. I think we talked about this before, but like if she did like a horror film, mm. you know, like something totally different, that would be exciting. <laughs> I would love to see her do a comedy. Yeah. I'd like to see like a romantic comedy. Yeah. Or horror. I'd even like to see how Celine would explore suspense. Like something like Gone Girl. Mm. Oh my gosh. I mean, she's already so good at it. Yeah. I feel like she's yeah. already mastered it. This movie, in a, in a way, had a lot of suspenseful moments, right? So. Yeah. If she listens to this episode, I'm going to pitch a rom-com idea. <laughs> it's called Photo of a Lady on Ice. And it's going to be an ice skater who falls in love with a photographer. No, I'm kidding. That's, a, that's all I have. So do you know if Celine listens to your podcast? No. No, no, no. That no. would <laughs> be so embarrassing right now. Do you get a sense that she and or Adele and Noemi have a sense for how the film has impacted so many people? Like, do they? Oh, they know. Okay, they are well aware. (laughs) Did you see Noemi's last interview where she was talking about lesbians? The woman's. No, not the the women. Her very last interview. It came out like a couple of days ago. Oh. And she was like, "We know how this has impacted the lesbian community." Like she specifically said, "Lesbians." Wow, that's cool. I saw that. Was that on Instagram or? I'll send you guys a link. Okay. And she talked about like lesbians specifically. So yeah. Celine being adamant about using the term lesbian was definitely kind of a, a wake up moment for me too. Because I hadn't referred to myself as a lesbian very often for years, I think. I was just going by queer. But then she was like, no, say lesbian. I was like, yep, you're right. Lesbian. lesbian because it's, it's about lesbians. It's not about yeah. queer folks. It's about lesbians. Like, I'll never forget my favorite review. Let me see if I can find it. I'm going to read you the headline. I love this. Great, great. Yes. (laughs) Portion of a Lady on Fire explores a fascinating friendship. What? No. Oh my God. No. 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 Fascinating friendship. No. Oh. Are you fucking serious? Oh my gosh. What is it on? The Ridgefield Press? Yep. Explores a fascinating friendship. friendship. Just a couple of gal pounds. But then look at the picture they use. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know about you yeah, guys, but that's that's how I touch all my friends. So you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh man. Instead of hugging people, I just grasp their neck centrally and like nuzzle your yeah. nose into their <laughs> like right behind their ear. Start yeah. making out because we all make out yep. with our friends. Yep. It's fascinating the way we make out with our friends <laughs> all the time. 
Ooh, that's a good one. That's the worst yeah. headline I've seen. It's <laughs> like, that's the worst. <laughs> but then the photo, you're right. It's like, if you are viewing this as just a couple of gal pals, like, why did you choose that photo? It's very confusing. Maybe the the writer was focusing on, like, their friendship with Sophie or something, you know? like. Well, and the, the authors don't always write their headlines, right? So maybe there was, true. like... A... That's a very good point. In fact, they often do not, so... That's true. And you're right. They could have just been, like, a fascinating friendship between the three of them. Right, but right, right. I wouldn't have used that photo. <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't have, I would used, have it. used the photo of the three of them. Right, exactly. We're going to hashtag this episode, Fascinating Friendship. That's yeah. <laughs> that was a fascinating friendship. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for spending the Saturday afternoon with us, setting up your sound booth for us, <laughs> and just taking the time to walk us through a different side of you know the film and the experience. It was really cool. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Valerie Complex, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-C-O-M-P-L-E-X all one word and you can find me on instagram at valerie underscore complex and you can also go to my unfinished website which is valeriecomplex.com nice (laughs) and i have a lot of great ig live stuff up there that you guys should take a look at great yeah and we're going to link to the pride.com article we'll also link to the celine siama interview which is our favorite interview with celine siama that we've seen i've talked about portrait in written form 10 different times, okay? Mm -hmm. I've written about portraits 10. (laughs) And that's including the review that I did last year where I called it a queer movie. Shame on me. No, It's better than a movie about a fascinating friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As always, if you've got thoughts or ideas about anything that we've discussed, go post it over on Instagram. We're podcast soliloquy on fire. And you can also tweet stuff to us at P-O-A-L-O-F podcast. You can also email us at podcastofaladyonfire at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a quick voice message at anchor.fm slash P-O-A-L-O-F slash message. And then finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider rating us on Apple Podcasts. It'll help others find the show. Thank you for listening. And thanks again, Valerie, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Really do. All right. Talk to you guys next week. All right. See ya. See ya.